girls and ghouls, it's time to gather round us horrifying hunter, petrified Preston, and devilish Dan. Crack open another cursed volume of tales from the crypt. This is Horrors from the Vault. <laughs> Welcome, kitties, to Horrors from the Vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the dark and haunted corridors of this very vault. Tonight, we're cracking open our 16th tome of Season 2 with Television Terror, an episode all about the dangers of showbiz, baby. But before we can venture fully into the vault, let me introduce you to my co-host, somebody that has had brushes with the showbiz business Maybe he'll let you know more about that in his good old ska days, good old extra days. Of course, I'm talking about Devilish Dan. Ah, I'm in one of the top grossing movies of all time. Marvel's <laughs> The Avengers. That's you not get a residuals? joke. I, no, no. They don't give lowly extras, background artists, whatever you want to call them. They don't give us residuals. But what a shame. No lie, I bowed to Loki, and you can see my balding head with a goatee, which I've never had a goatee before or since. Did you have it specifically for that role? They asked you to grow it? I had a beard, uh, like most of my adult life, uh, and uh, they're like, hey, can we shave this down? I'm like, you're not going to shave the whole thing off, are you? Because my chin fucking sucks if I don't have facial hair. (laughs) And they said, uh, yeah, let's just do a goatee. I'm like, that's fine. You're paying me ten fifty an hour to sit and eat catering. So I'm good with that. I like it. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Superstar Dan chiming in. Hey, Petrified Preston, show business, baby. Something you definitely have some thoughts on. Uh, have you been an extra on any films or any other brushes with greatness that did well, not turn no. out the way you expected? I certainly wasn't the Avengers. You're not going to find me on any big screen, unfortunately. However, I did star in an adaptation of Guys and Dolls, Into the Woods. Oh, yeah, I'm going going back to my musical days. That's right. We can talk about Into the Woods. I love Into the Woods. I was in the hell yeah. Oh, nice, dude. What part did you play? I was uh, one of the princes. Uh, Which one? Uh, Shit. The one um, that stabs his eyes out. Oh wait, no, it's Rapunzel that stabs. The one that Chris Pine played in the in the Disney movie that everyone yeah. kind of forgot about. That adaptation's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend hasn't forgot about the Into the Woods. It yeah. shows up on our shuffle playlist a disturbing amount. So oh, there we're you like go. in there jamming out, and then we have a 12-minute interlude of <laughs> Into the Woods to Grandmother's House. We go. That's um, amazing. It's a lot. 
And then uh, Brushes with Fame and Infamy, uh, we're right here. We're on Horrors from the Vault, baby. Arguably yeah. the most famous Tales from the Crypt podcast, which is uh, a very niche uh, situation that we found ourselves in. We are not the first, but uh, I'm claiming the title as far as being the most up our own ass. Uh, <laughs> that makes us the most famous. <laughs> <laughs> guys television terror we say it every single week i'm sure i'm going to reference it later but tonight we're talking about the episode where that inspiration is derived from season two episode 16 aired on july 17th of 1990 preston before we can talk about the episode itself let's go see you at the house of horror Man, ladies and gents, we are sticking in 1950 once again with this episode, man. I mean, we are going way back. Haunt of Fear, Volume 1, Number 17. Let me tell you fine folks listening at home, this episode or this installment uh, in the comics was not easy for me to find. It is on Hoopla, but I had to be like really specific with it. It's a whole thing anyway. Um, you can find it in the Haunt of Fear Volume 1, again, number 17. Once uh, again, September 1950. Man, this is a fun one. I, I enjoyed Television Terror, man. This in particular really seems way ahead of its time. It really does. It's literally like a comic found footage movie it is exactly what it feels like. It's super light, doesn't get bogged down like in the lore kind of exploration. I mean, it establishes itself. It gets to where it needs to be, uh, and it has some great closing shots, by the way. I really enjoyed that last page. Um, I love that we start and end with that family sitting, you know, watching this unfold from their living room. Kind of puts us right in their, in their perspective. It's creepy. Uh, this is a good spooky time. I like how kind of subtle the artwork is. They're not trying to show you everything. There's definitely some room for some interpretation, which I like a lot. Um, I also have to mention that I love that they highlighted the special camera, uh, throughout the comic. That was like kind of a sweet thing. Um, let's see here. I say for sure, uh, check out television terror, um, you know, on the page because, Again, like I said, this can be found on Hoopla. It's a super efficient read, um, kind of even more so than normal, maybe. And that's saying something. So I say, check it out. That's uh, Television Terror. 100%. I don't know why I had the same problem finding this one on Hoopla Dude. as you did. Yes. It's, for some reason, there, there's two volumes that list number 17 as yes. included, except for one has a 17 that isn't the same as the other 17 that this one's in. So if you download one and it's not in there, you got to use the other one and uh, use another credit. Sorry to tell you. Because no, yeah. It's excellent. Yeah, you, you nailed it. Um, especially the part about the last final page where the camera just kind of sits and we oh. watch him move around in the frame. Uh, yeah. Get, just go download this uh, basically just for that last page because it looks super cool. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would dare say, and you guys can let me know if I'm off my rocker, but I, I think you guys are there <laughs> with me. Um, this is probably the best uh, comic that we've uh, done so far, in my opinion. Mm. Um, 
I think it's this is really good. And, you know, maybe it's just because we've been on a string of, hey, it's fine. It served as good inspiration. Oh, I didn't like this at all. Maybe <laughs> it's just been a while, but I really, really like this. And I think that this currently is the king uh, for the comic inspiration. And I can see why we got such a iconic episode of Tales from the Crypt out of it. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit further, but this is really uh, high up on people's Tales from the Crypt episodes. And I think that a lot of that, uh, they they definitely carried a lot of that goodwill from the comic, which was 40 years earlier on into this. And uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, Preston mentioned it. Found footage wasn't really a thing until uh, Cannibal Holocaust was kind of like the first official found footage that people point to. But it didn't really hit until the 90s. So, yeah. 40 years ahead of its time. Pretty good, man. And I don't mean to like beat you guys to the punch here with this, but I mean, it really feels, I mean, in going back to the comic, 1950, going to the show, early nineties, obviously like it feels like we're getting our very own tales from the crypt ghost watch, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of the deal we're, we're getting with it. And I, I really dug that. Yeah, uh, when we were watching, Beth was watching this with me, and I said, we're going to talk about Ghostwatch and probably WNUF this episode. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, Dan, before we can get into the episode, though, we definitely have to talk about the creative talent involved. Let's go see you at Top Billing. Yeah, it's another weird week, but uh, we're going to start right at the top of the writers. Randall Jansen, uh, he was responsible for The Doors and Mask of Zorro, as well as J.G. Pruss. Literally, this guy's only writing credit on IMDb. He seems to have also worked under the name uh, Gregory J. Pruss, as well as Greg Pruss. Uh, I couldn't find much notable under either of those monikers either. I'd personally love to know how you are a credited writer on one of the top rated episodes of tales from the crypt. And the next biggest credit you can find is the script for a ghost recon game (laughs) right on in horrorvaultpod at gmail.com. But someone a little more notable is our director, Charlie Pizzerni. Picerni. I'm guessing it's Italian and uh, the C is like a CH sound. So I'm going to say Picerni. Uh, he's mostly known as a prolific stuntman and stunt coordinator with 376 credited stunt roles to date. Some of his most notable being the Starsky and Hutch TV series, Die Hard and Die Hard 2, Roadhouse, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Lethal Weapon 2 and 3, Gone 60 Seconds, Triple X, The Bad Boys series, A Few Fast and Furious Entries, True Romance, True Lies, Heat, Demolition Man, Preston's favorite movie, Idle Hands, Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X, and Roadhouse. Damn, this guy's a badass. Yeah, I, when you just start digging down, I was like, I need to nail this list down a little more because I had I had way more than that even. <laughs> uh, you know who else is kind of a badass? I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna talk about him real quick. Morton Downey Jr. <laughs> not Robert Downey Jr. In fact, despite what you may think, they are not related whatsoever. Uh, after starting as a program director and radio DJ, Preston, that sounds like something you'd be into. That's right. He had some brief success in the music industry as a writer before finally finding big success as a talk show host in the 80s, where he employed a proto-Jerry Springer-esque style, which was sort of a gotcha confrontational presentation. He was definitely a divisive character who called a stripper that he had on as a guest a slut and a pig, when we all know the proper term for a stripper is titty employee. Uh, 
He also <laughs> accused was accused for faking an attack on his person by neo-Nazis, which turned out to not be true. Uh, he was also a known anti-abortion activist. He finally died after a long battle with lung cancer and after being a heavy smoker for most of his life and even a known pro-smoking advocate. So to review, anti-abortion, pro-smoking, died of lung cancer. I'm going to let everyone take from that what they will. And everyone else in the episode is kind of not very notable. So uh, just kind of Morton Downey, one-hander. We gotta we gotta talk about his role in Predator Two though, baby. Oh my because god, because he's he's a fucking hoot to watch in Predator. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's basically playing the same character that he is here, and that's just who he was as a person, as far as we can tell. And oh, I haven't yeah. seen evidence to the contrary, but uh, yeah, I, I I think it was fresh on the mind because I was watching Predator Two last week actually, um, and then he showed up, and I'm like, oh yeah. That motherfucker's in this one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't write down many roles because there's a wrestling term called living the gimmick, which is basically <laughs> when you become the character that you play on TV. And that seems sure. to be what he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know we got a documentary a couple years back too, all about that's him. right. So, no, I'm gonna have to I don't know if it's up. any good, but yeah, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Good stuff, Dan. Let's go see our buddy, the Crypt Keeper. Because we get a transmission in. Hi, mom. Uh, that's a terrible Crypt Keeper voice, but I love him loving home video. Sound like Mo. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna kill one of the little rascals. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, it's it's a fun switch up. I like seeing the Crypt Keeper coming through all the snow and the you know he's he's showing up on the TV screen. Yeah. And not in the normal way he's showing up on your TV screen. He's showing up on the actual TV screen. He calls us couch potatoes. He's got a fun little snack table with multiple mm-hmm. hostess cakes. Um, he knows what he's oh, about. I got the list. Hostess cupcakes, a Budweiser, turned slightly sideways, which was weird because I'd think that they would have a sponsorship by now. Nachos, Cheetos, maybe some chicky nuggies, and some sort of roll, which I couldn't determine what it was. And always, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Dan. I I was going to say, Professor, you might be making a note here. Uh, Also, that cool little skull we liked. Yeah. It's back. I was going to say, it's totally there. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Dan, uh, fat boy rating. What what are you giving this spread? It's pretty good. I've I've upped my uh, fat boy uh, you know, quality of content, usually more like meats and cheeses. But this one's sure. pretty good. Uh, I, I enjoy a hostess cupcake. Uh, we do more in Debbie's, you know, little Debbie sure, cakes here. Sure. But uh, it, uh, hostess is solid. Yeah. Uh, Preston, get in on this. How are you feeling about the snack spread? Here? Oh, I'm so down with the snacks. You, you, if there's some hot fries in there, a plus all around. I mean, come on. It's the and- it's the best. Handicap hot fries, man. I love the Chester Cheetos flaming hots. Oh, flaming so like, hots. like it's not the it's not the crunchy cat. Yeah, buddy, yeah. that's right. <laughs> I love. Oh my god, it's it's so addictive. I actually have to ask you guys a separate question uh, in regards to this opening. Did you were you ever fascinated as a child with hooking your camcorder up to a TV and watching yourself on it as you like filmed yourself live? Like as he's doing, because that was totally a thing that I was like, I thought was the coolest thing ever. Like, holy shit, I'm on the TV. <laughs> so 
for me, the camcorder was a forbidden commodity. I was oh. not anywhere near it. This was an expensive oh. piece of equipment. You're not allowed to touch it. Now, Preston, yeah. knowing you and your showmanship self, this is not surprising at all. You and your camcorder and your uh, Batman Forever karaoke oh. station situation. You already know uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Go listen to Holy Batcast a couple weeks ago with Preston and Andy for that one. Oh, that was um, fun. But yes, this does not surprise me that you <laughs> loved camcorder footage of you of myself. <laughs> yeah, of myself. That's right. God, Preston is so full of himself. Yeah. And he's not vain or anything. He was just born to be a star, baby. He's, oh, he's God. fucking Pearl. Um, I got to ask you guys. So uh, chime in here. What do you think would be on the Crypt Keeper's top four? What would be his favorites on his letterbox account? Oh shit! I mean, Demon Knight, Bordello, and Demon Knight is already there. Yeah, yeah true. Sure. Demon Knight. He's gone and given the Tales from the Crypt 1970s adaptation a half star out of you know, <laughs> yeah. you know out of competition. Not wacky enough. Yeah, uh, I think Creep Show. Creep Show. Oh probably yes. There. Yeah. Yes. Evil Dead. You think Evil Dead? Know. Evil Dead Two. Evil Dead Two. Specifically, Evil Dead Two. Okay, yeah, I, th- I think it likes how wacky that gets. Shit, what about like um, the Changeling or something, or like Ooh, something spooky and kind of yeah. See, but I also think he's like a horn dog. So, but like mm-hmm. oh. joysticks. Oh, what about know, like, like Pearl? Like, Pearl. Well, it's too modern. We we got to yeah, think. No. Well, also also he's True. using an app in 1990. So why doesn't that work then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pearl is fun, but he's just going to think he made a better version of it earlier on with Patricia Arquette. Hmm. Yeah, he's got to have something horny on there for sure. Something horny. Mm. Something. There's lots of cleavage in like um, uh, Sleepy Hollow, something like that, you know, something Ooh. gothic. Not, something. not horny enough. Yeah. I was going to say Mistress of uh, Mistress of Dark. Oh, yeah. No, Elvira for sure. When I oh, heard. good yeah. point. Yeah, I think that he's makes got sense. A, That's he's a, got good a call. lot of respect for her professionally, but he also uh, loves her for two great reasons. Um, <laughs> and then they even had the show at uh, Not Scary Farm together a little bit later on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm tossing my hat in for Elvira. He also loves the movie White Chicks. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Cryptkeeper, what's your favorite Bill Murray comedy? Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is the only chance I'm ever going to get to do this, but Television Terror, the oh. literal episode itself. <laughs> he did it! He yes. did it! Yay! <laughs> Rivers is a real piece of work. He's sleeping with his producer, exploits tragedy for views, and generally is a scumbag that would make Frank Stewart ashamed. Horton and his camera crew are visiting a haunted house in Los Angeles owned by one Ada Ritter, who would kill those she was taking care of to claim their social security checks, which is very common in the villages Florida, which is also the STD capital of the world. Twelve senior citizens were killed, and Ada herself eventually kills herself. Horton interviews Horton. psychic. Going oh, ahead. Good Frank Stewart reference. I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. No, no problem. <laughs> Horton interviews psychic Roland Worshafter. 
Uh, I pronunciations are a bitch for me. You're just going to roll with it, folks. Um, who knows that the house is major bad news and does his best to deter Horton and his cameraman trip from entering. I love right here where he says, I feel like I'm in fucking lost in space when they walk in. All right. So I had that written down. What the fuck does he mean by that? (laughs) It's spooky. It's, it's not of this world. It's a sci-fi show and they're obviously in a haunted house. Lost in space is like they're usually like on a planet. I I didn't understand that. that that goes up there with lines that don't make any sense. With uh, I thought you I didn't know you was a teen idol from uh, our favorite it's only sin deep. <laughs> it was <laughs> fair. It was a line. I worked with it. I had a good chuckle out of it. Mm. There's some great atmosphere. I like to think he's coked out of his mind the entire time. Um, he's definitely God, high. Yes. Yeah, has yeah, to yeah. be. Uh, we passed what was my line of the week when he was talking to the psychic where he completely deadpan just says, it's a pit of seething evil. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not so much the line. It's the way he delivered the line is. Yeah. Is great. yeah. Oh, yeah. So after the I feel like I'm in fucking lost in space, there's some really great atmosphere as they explore the house and find Steamboat Willie in the kitchen. We briefly see a flashback to Ada reenacting her best Norman Bates in the game room, and we see another one with her victims in the basement. Horton is really using all of his showmanship to deliver an entertaining program, but sadly is not as entertaining as the commercial that follows featuring Snuggle Bear. Shh, Cindy's sleeping. As we search for clues, which we'll do when we come back, we'll find out. Out. Roll commercial. Take three. Shh. Cindy's sleeping. <laughs> I thought it was weird that they were using an actual ad at that point. An actual yeah. commercial instead yeah. of speeding to black. I thought it was great. I loved it. And this is a good spot for us to stop, uh, stop because... Uh, we need to talk about how this definitely influenced later material. I mean, Ghostwatch mm-hmm. was two years later. It was it was just oh, a little wow. bit over two years later. WNUF, several years later, definitely pulls a lot of this. And this episode does have a bit of inspiration, definitely from Unsolved Mysteries at the time, which had been running, I think, for about four yeah. years prior to the three, four years, kind of in that range. Uh, so shout out to my boy, Robert Stack. But... I think there is just something uh, intrinsically classic about this episode. And I think the whole thing works. And there's a good reason this episode has the reputation that it does. Not only was it basically cutting edge at the time, it really set a standard for this type of storytelling in the future and kind of predicted with um, where kind of the, the found footage horror genre would go kind of later on to setting up some of those beats. I think that it's just really well, uh, it's, it's well performed. It's well directed. Uh, there's some great choices all throughout this thing. And I think that this is absolutely one of the standout episodes of the entire series, uh, for many reasons, but frankly, it just works and it is an entertaining time. And even though it's one of the shorter episodes, it doesn't waste a single minute. I feel like I've got an entire complete narrative front to back and I'm not left wanting for anything additional besides what we've already got here. Yeah. We've said it a couple of times in past weeks. This definitely feels like it's a self-contained, it could just be, you know, a a short 
made by any director. It's it's great. Yeah. Um, I I do have a couple issues with the found footage ness of it, which we'll get into once we get to the ratings. But most of that is because I've seen so many found footage mo- movies since and things that they've done better. Which you know, again, when you're one of the first, uh, you can't be expected to nail it. Well, that's exactly it. And yes, I understand that there's elements that later on we improved upon, but it's, you know, you've got to rate it on that scale yep. where you say, hey, you know, this was, in, if not the, you know, definitely not the first foray into this, but putting it in primetime television like this mm-hmm. uh, or, or late night television like this and doing it so effectively, I think negates any sort of, well, I've seen that better later on. Let's talk about Morton Downey, if you don't mind, for a second. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we went briefly over him in, in my segment. And uh, so you can decide what you want about him. But he is killing it. And his teeth are distracting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are. Do you guys, are you too young for the letter people? Do you know Ooh. the letter people? So it was basically a television show uh, for kindergartners and preschoolers that taught them about letters and uh, oh, you know the I sound. It up. So if you look up Mr. T, tall teeth, that's all I could think about when watching it. Like I kept, I kept having to rewind it. I got distracted by how tall this motherfucker's teeth are. They're like an inch tall. Like it's it's crazy how big those things are, and they don't look fake. They're not like caps. Like that's his legit teeth. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of teeth and I feel like I would just kind of forget they're there and there would be a certain shot where I'd be like, Oh my goodness, like a jump scare (laughs) for his giant (laughs) maw. And like, I don't know, like him and Jackie Kennedy could get into a sheet, uh, sheet metal eating competition. I don't know who would finish first. God, and you know, I, I kind of wanted to highlight this toward the end, but since we're talking about him, like, yeah, not a guy that <laughs> I would be bragging on very much, but man, was he well cast in this thing. I mean, it's it's pretty perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. when one of those scumbag wrestlers gets cast, but they're right. really good at showmanship and like doing the role that it becomes this beloved character, not only for people that follow wrestling, but just general audiences. I mean, we still talk about Hulk Hogan and Gremlins too, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Sam lets Horton know that the network is worried they've got another Al Capone's vault on their hands, and Horton really needs to amp up the fear factor. As if on cue, Trip hears a noise from upstairs. They go up looking for the source of the moaning, not unlike the sounds that you, the listener, make while listening to how great these scripts are and how well I edit them. Suddenly, Trip's camera loses connection. There's the sound of water as Horton sees his first ghost, an old man with his throat slashed in a bathtub. There's poltergeist activity as the chandelier rattles and a door slams. The chandelier finally falls and the closet spews blood. Horton assures that all of this is real and it's the first time ever it's been caught on film. The sidekick from earlier confirms our suspicions. Horton and Trip are fucked. A uh, <laughs> little bit of Amityville in here, but also this episode, another reason it works so well for me, and I think so many others, it really is a love letter to classic horror tropes as well. I'm particularly mm-hmm. reminded of the William Castle productions uh, from way back when. There's a reason these haunted house tropes have remained so classic. And Yes, you should put your own spin on them. You should do something unique with that. So it's not more of what you've seen a million times over. 
but there's a reason that the setup itself and what you're doing with that remains so effective. And that's just because it's a very chilling thing. And I think us as humans, we have that in our nature to be scared of the dark and the unknown. And that's why haunted house stories are so much fun and why we love them so much, whether it's the cheesy classic horror of those castle productions or something more like Amityville or like this, or, or later on found footage horror films. Um, it just really encapsulates everything we love about haunted houses. And I think that's part of the reason why this episode is such a success. Yeah. This one takes mm-hmm. a little bit to get going, but once that chandelier starts swinging, I just kind of sat up and rub my hands again. It's like, okay, here we go. We're going now. <laughs> right. But it's never not entertaining. You're, you're never no, just sitting, no. waiting for the action to happen. And a lot of that is due to how great Morden is here. And Poor Trip. Like in another episode, Trip would kind of be the unsung hero because, yeah. you know, he has that goofiness that, you, you know, he's the fun guy. He's the wisecracking guy. But you're so focused on uh, crackhead with giant teeth that everything, <laughs> all the focus goes <laughs> on him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys are putting it very well. I, I completely agree. And just, you know, as we progress, obviously it just kind of intensifies from there. And, you know, we end up revisiting that ending from the comics here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's more moaning in the house, and it's not from Courtney Cox and Michael Keaton's new relationship, which actually happened in 1990. Bad news for <laughs> Horton. Ratings are skyrocketing, and Sam, that producer we mentioned earlier, refuses to pull the plug. He finds blood on a rug and finds Tripp's body hanging from a noose. The last straw for Horton was the ghost holding the camera, ready to film him getting reamed on the casting couch. He tries to escape, but all the elderly ghost dudes chase him into the corner room. Horton is then suddenly attacked by the ghost of Ada Ritter, who does her best Leatherface and chases Horton around the room with a chainsaw. She slashes at him and kills him in an instant, and a curtain rope is wrapped around his neck as he is pushed out the window. His bloody corpse hangs from the second story, and the camera captures everything that's going on live and i love that little stinger at the end where he's like tune in next week for the couple that fucks satan like it's <laughs> great little little stinger right at the end and yes i get there's that whole thing of uh you know there's that whole subplot about sam and the, the rest of the crew being like we got to keep pushing it the ratings are good this is what they're loving did we push it too far there's just that moment of introspectiveness right at the end where it's like well, shit, we fucked up that I really like. It's the perfect note to close on. And when you were talking about, in comparison to recent episodes where they kind of just end and we're back into the Crypt Keeper, mm. this is a definite note of finality that I really, really like that this episode closes on. So, yeah, that bit with, this is where we get a little uh, best of times, worst of times with me. So the bit with Trip uh, and, you know, hanging from the ceiling and who's holding the camera, I love the shit out of that. I thought that was a great bit, worked really well. And I really would have loved it if they, and this is where they learned a little bit in, you know, new modern kind of found footage is if they would have just let that camera drop and played it off like they did in the comic where you're just watching, you're watching it from the camera and you're not sure what's happening in that room. Cause when they show, show old lady leather face with her chainsaw, I was like, why does she have a chainsaw? We don't need to see this. It would have been creepier if you just watched it from outside of the room and then they smash cut to him falling out the window, hanging himself. It's my one nitpick with this episode. So I agree. I would prefer to see that as well. But the episode, 
I think it just keeps escalating and escalating and escalating, and it builds to this very comic booky uh, finale. It, it it goes to this goofy place that I don't think it clashes with the rest of the episode, but no. it is slightly out of place where it's like, hmm, I probably wouldn't have done that, but it's so much fun. I kind of just let it slide, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I, I guess that's kind of how I lean too. I didn't really, I didn't really think too much about it other than just like, yeah, in, enjoying, <laughs> enjoying how it went. That's for sure. Yeah. And I love how we close here with our closing Crypt Keeper moment. He's got his feet up on the table. He's, he's you love his feet. Getting his oh, yeah. He's got them dirty Crypt Keeper feet back up. Um, <laughs> call me Quentin Tarantino because I'm staring yeah. at them hogs. Um, <laughs> but yes, he's up there. He's He's got his grub on. He ate a couple of them snacks. But I love that uh, it ties in with the Crypt Keeper watching this broadcast live i think it's such a great little note for it to close on and this is one of those episodes that um even the episode itself like if you've got a couple nitpicks and you're like oh this might not you know maybe this isn't a perfect one but uh, i think all the elements come together to make something that could be considered a perfect tales from the crypt episode um the story itself is very solid the performances are great the crypt keeper segments are fantastic and i really also think another factor that maybe we don't talk about enough is what are the episodes you're going to show somebody that maybe is like show me one episode of tales from the crypt convince me on what is a great episode and we'll kind of go from there you know, it's, it's life mm-hmm. or death here. I think this is one you could give to people. And 98% of the time, I think it would work. I think that's a great yeah. point. Yeah, that definitely agree with that. Yeah, especially since it does, you know, hone so close to some modern stuff. It's it's an easy pickup for people that, you know, might rub up against something like, you know, four-sided triangle or uh what's what's our favorite one Preston? yes no ex- yeah help me help me here uh Hunter. I, <laughs> oh yeah three's a company yeah. no that's it that's exactly what i was gonna get at dan is because i'm like you know if somebody's watching well, three's a crowd three's a crowd, three's a crowd. yes yeah. um you know if someone is tuning in to tales from the crypt you know they're tuning in to see something like a haunted house right yeah if they if they went to one of these kind of relationship episodes it might you know, it'd be, it'd be strange. So yeah, this is, this would definitely be like a demo episode for someone to, uh, to watch for sure. Yeah. All right, guys, let's pay our last respects and close out. I'm just going to start off because I've said my entire piece in that closing segment, obviously writing the script, I get to put a lot of my own personal subjecture in there, but I really stand by it. I think this is a standout and this is one of those episodes where I know everybody has their favorite, but it seems uh, pretty universal that this shows up in most people's top 10, if not their top five or even top three. And I'm going to be honest, I'm following the crowd here because I really think this is a standout episode. This is a great, uh, I won't call it a return to form because the series has always been all over the place. One week you get a masterpiece, one week you get some rough material. But after a stretch of episodes where I'm kind of like, ah, you know, it's fun, but it's not anything I'm going to revisit. This is a classic episode. I've seen it several times throughout the years, and I will continue to watch it. And most importantly, I think this is the episode that I'm going to pull out of the library whenever somebody wants to check out Tales from the Crypt for the first time. So for those reasons, fellas, I've collected five severed thumbs this week. Ooh, five biggins. Dan, you want to go next? 
Uh, you go first because I'm still debating between one or the other. Man, I, I am too. I've, I've made my decision. Um, I'm going to go in right under Hunter at a uh, four and a half. Um, I think like we com- literally just said, like if you're going to show somebody a random episode, I think this is certainly one of the very few um well, not very few, but one of the one of the main big few you could you could choose from to to show. Um, you know, I think it's got really a lot of what you want when you are looking into this series. It's based off an amazing, you know, comic that we talked about off the top. I can't recommend to check that out uh, anymore as well. So, yeah, I feel I feel really good with a four point five, which is like a super solid A in my book. All right, good. I don't feel quite so bad because I'm going to give four and a half as well. It's going between four okay, and a half and okay. five, and I I don't know if I can quite get up to the five because just I, I am distracted by those that one little thing at the end where I'm like, ooh, this could be so perfect if they just made that one little switch. But but I get it. Um, would have saved them some budget too. But hey, whatever. Uh, yeah. So four and a half out of five. Look, this is one where. Uh, I've uh I I won't say I've been the the most lenient. I feel like I've been on the furthest extremes out of everybody. You guys you guys tend to toe the line uh unless the episode involves poker, in which case Preston is fully <laughs> on board with me. That's <laughs> um, right. Dan, have you given out a 5 at this point? Remind the listeners. Uh I don't think so. I'm going to pull up my notes, but I'm pretty sure four and a half is as far as I've gone. Yeah, I was yeah, wondering like maybe for have. the Christmas episode, I didn't know. Nope, four and a half. Uh, collection completed was four and a half for me. Yeah, actually, that's the only four and a half I've given. Some oh, other wow. fours. Yeah, no, wow. no fives. Yeah, I know that. Uh, cutting cards. Preston and I were both on a five four. Yeah. I think you gave that one a four because uh, you had some issues with it. And then um, I also really love the ventriloquist. Uh, excuse me, the oh, ventriloquist yeah. dummy. Oh uh, yeah. You gave so, that one five. I also gave, sorry, for crying out loud, I gave four and a half as well. I forgot you love that one. So yeah, much. I do. <laughs> so for you. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting. So as we're approaching the end here, and the reason I ask that is we are going to be ranking all these episodes once we reach the end of the season. So we got a couple more weeks until we do that. But what we're going to do is we've been keeping track of our scores. Rather, Dan has been keeping track of our scores as the season has been going on. And we're going to add those all together on a point-based system. And then using that, we will be able to do uh, rank the episodes on what we thought of this season as horror from the or, or excuse me, horrors from the vault as a whole. So it's going to be real fun. We definitely want to see y'all's list. So make sure to comment those on Instagram when we let you know you're doing that because we want to just look and see how you guys are feeling about season two as well. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Devilish Dan, hit us with that sweet, sweet info. Yeah, if you want to let us know which episodes are your five stars or maybe only four and a half, hit us up at Horror Vault Pod on most of the social media networks or horrorvaultpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to just talk to me and you don't want to talk to anybody else, uh, you want to keep it on the DL, hit me up at Red Right Dan, also at all the good socials. And if you want to see what kind of weird movies I'm watching, what I'm rating those, whether they're five stars, whether they're four and a half, that's at Letterboxd at Daniel P. Sims with two M's. I love it. Petrified Preston. Yeah, man. Uh, Dan, thank you, dude, for keeping up with those letter grades. That is much appreciated. And I am super excited when we uh, round this season out to kind of look back, see what 
you know, see where the averages are and all that good stuff. Um, I'm going to pick up um, where you left off on Letterboxd at Preston967. Follow me over there, logging all kinds of stuff. Um, the same on Twitter. And you can find me under Preston Green on Facebook. Yeah. And right here, of course. Awesome. Of course, you can keep up with me here on Horrors from the Vault. You can follow my social media information if you'd like to. That's whatever. Letterboxd and Instagram. You can find me at Discount Vincent Price. But more importantly, of course, right here on Horrors from the Vault, you can find me on Grim Grinning Hosts. Uh, you can find me on the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights and Disorder every Disney film. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope we've put a little bit of podcast terror in your evening. Crypt Keeper, put down that TV and let's play that things. Next time you dare to venture into the vault, you might not come back at all.